0: David says, What does David say? Oh my goodness, I'm I'm a blank mind. The, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all of its people. And so we get to be a part of that. We get to behold the beauty of the Lord. He also goes on to say, Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. We serve a glorious God and we get to behold his glory every single day so I invite you as we continue in worship and as we continue singing this song, lifting up the glory seeing and remembering the glory of the Lord I invite you to think about the beauty and the glory and beholding the glory of God it's beautiful, Let's sing together from your voice
1: what was void a universe and just a spark lit the star to warm and move the earth just one breath empty flesh awoke the child of God all creation calls Behold
0: Because the word says that when his people praise him, he inhabits those praises. So those of you who have come into the room with depression or despair, those of you watching online who have confusion because you don't know how to figure out a situation, I just want you to know that maybe before you came into the room or maybe before you pushed play online, you were in trouble. But now, God is here and is working on your behalf, and all the trouble, all the darkness, all the despair is pushed out because it has to make way for the glory of God, amen? Amen. I love this offering moment because it gives us a chance and an opportunity to respond to a living God who reigns over all of our situations. And it's easy to come to this moment and to kind of be on autopilot a little bit. Like when you're driving down the road and you're like, I was at work and now I'm at my house. How did I get here, right? But what's awesome is that we kind of get to reset and make ourselves present to the Lord and respond in an intentional way. And it reminds me of King David. He was going to build an altar and make a sacrifice to the Lord. So he goes to this man and says, hey, I wanna buy your threshing floor. It's just a big plot of land. And the man says, you're the king. Like, here's the here's the threshing floor, here's the ox, here's everything that you need. But King David says, I will not give to the Lord that which costs me nothing. I will not give to the Lord that which costs me nothing. We can't sing songs about how holy God is and how worthy God is and be on autopilot. It snaps us into presence of mind and gives us a chance to respond. The person I wanna be like in the Bible, We don't know her name but it's the woman who gave her two copper coins the widow's mite everyone else gave out of their abundance which if you have abundance that's awesome but what i love about her giving jesus said it he said this woman gave more than everyone else because out of her poverty she gave all she had to live on so some of us have abundance, we're like kings, and we are, our offering to the Lord is, we're not gonna give to God what costs us nothing. Some of us may give all that we have to live on, but as we do that, we get to do it for a God who's worthy, a God who's holy, a God who's magnified, and a God who's glorified. So as I pray, there are four ways to give, online, on your phone, snail mail boxes in the back, but that's who we get to respond to. So let's pray. God, thank you that you are holy. Thank you that you are worthy. God, thank you that you reign. God, we glorify you. We magnify you. We exalt you. We get to give out of our abundance or out of our poverty. But either way, we are going to give with feeling. We are going to respond to you because of who you are. So God, we thank you. Receive our offering in love. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's continue to worship as we give.
2: Yes, amen. Hallelujah. Hey, I want to take a second to tell you a beautiful story. Tyler Gardner, would you come down here? This is Tyler. Yes. Give it up for Tyler Gardner. Come here, Tyler. Tyler suffered a traumatic brain injury years ago that really threatened her life. And we have watched her as a church put one foot in front of the other and go to just to work and to press on and to endure. And Tyler just, just recently went to the Special Olympics to the state basketball championship and they won the championship. Give it up for Tyler Gardner. In that game, they had 42 points. 42 points. She had six of them. And so one seventh of the scoring was right here. And also... Also, she is an absolute strong woman. She, she is going to a national tournament for uh, deadlifting. How much do you deadlift?
3: 255.
2: 255 pounds. Give it up for Tyler Gardner, y'all. I wanted you to know, like, look... We, we say around here we want to be the smallest big church in all of the world, and this is the way you do it. So when you see Tyler walking around, give her an a girl, give her a high five, and I just wanted you to know a story of perseverance and excellence today. We love you, Tyler. Well done. Okay, okay, a couple announcements, all right. This Wednesday, 6 30, right here in this room, first Wednesday. We're gonna go for it. We're gonna worship, we're gonna pray, we're gonna. There's something special that happens when the people of God gather in the presence of God. So join us at 6.30. And what else do I need to say? Can we give it up for the USAFA men's football team, Air Force Academy? Some of you are like, what's USAFA? Air Force Academy, men's football team. It's parent weekend, so we got a bunch of dress blues in the house. I see you all over. And we just say we honor you. We bless you. We thank God for your leadership in the future of our nation. Welcome to New Life. Hey, take 45 seconds. Cross the aisle. Hug a neck. Shake a hand. Be kind to one another. And then I'll come open the Bible. One, two, three. Be nice. North. It's so good to see you. My name is Callie. Welcome to church this morning. Hey, my name is Briggs. If you're new here and you're wondering what ministries New Life Church offers, you can scan the QR code or click the link below. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, tell us where you're watching from. We'd love to say hello.
0: Yes, now grab your Bible, grab a notebook, grab a pen. It's time to
2: lean in for a powerful message. grab your seats it is good to see you today Uh, one more announcement October 6th and 7th coming up here shortly we've got our yearly men's retreat and Pastor Gabe and the team have put together an incredible weekend at Golden Bell Camp up in Divide Colorado so it'll take you about an hour to get there it's $145 for those two days but here's our commitment to you as New Life Church if financially you are not able to make that work we will not turn you away So here's what I need you to do. Guys, guys who can afford to buy a scholarship for another brother who needs to come. There's a table in the lobby. You can go get signed up and add a scholarship. And guys who need a scholarship, go out to the table in the lobby and tell them you need a scholarship and we will take care of you. But it's going to be an incredible time together, October 6th and 7th. Make yourself available of the table in the lobby or you can sign up online. Sound good? Thank you for all two of you. That was not a rhetorical question. Are you with me today? All right. Good. Thank you. Appreciate that. Okay. First Kings chapter six. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you don't, it'll be on the screen. We're in week four of our series going through first Kings. We're calling the series Kings and Kingdoms, looking at the history of the monarchy. And I'll just tell you, by the way, as you read through this book, this book is as contemporary as it could be. It is telling the story that we are living in today. This is not some ancient text that's just telling about an old moment. Somehow by the Spirit of the Lord, we're seeing our own stories in this text. So Pastor Brady last week preached out of chapter 8, The Glory of the Lord Fills the Temple, and it was an incredible message. This week I'm going to read just a small segment out of chapter 6 and look at the furnishings of the temple. Okay, so here's the title of the sermon. Some of you are going to be immediately intrigued. The Furnishings of the Temple and the stories they tell us. Now, right now at 1130, you're kind of rolling your eyes. Oh, isn't that precious? The furnishings of the temple and the stories they tell us. My prayer is that you walk out of here about 1215 going, I got it. So the furnishings of the temple and the stories they tell us. Let me read you this text. 1 Kings chapter 10, six, verse 10. It says, and Solomon built the side rooms all along the temple. So he's doing all this construction The height of each was five cubits and they were attached to the temple by beams of cedar and the word of the Lord after the completion of the temple, the word of the Lord came to Solomon. Imagine them dusting their hands off, putting away the tools. They're going to gather the people. And God says to Solomon, as for this temple you are building, if you follow my decrees, if you observe my laws, and if you keep all my commands and obey them, I will fulfill through you, Solomon, the promise I gave to David, your father, and I will live among the, I will live among the Israelites. Don't you want that said about us today? And I will live among the Israelites and not abandon my people, Israel. So Solomon built the temple and he completed it. Let's pray. Would you begin to welcome the Holy Spirit to speak to you today? Pastor Brady's been teaching us for 16 years to pray, come Holy Spirit. And so today we say, come Holy Spirit, and we give you permission. We give you permission to talk to us. We give you permission to challenge us. We give you permission to encourage us. We give you permission to give us strength to keep on going. We give you permission to to really jerk the slack out, Lord. And to wake us up and make us your holy people afresh. We pray that the word of God would race through this place. That you would walk these aisles. That you would walk our hearts. And that you would make us your holy people again. We pray today in the name of Jesus and all God's people said. Amen. Today, I want to suggest to you that the furniture in Solomon's temple shows us the journey every worshiper is supposed to take. Now, I'll start over here because we're visual people. Uh, Imagine this as your chronology, your timeline, that this is the beginning and over here is the end. And I want to suggest to you that as you walk through the temple, and I'll show you some pictures today, there's a journey that every worshiper is supposed to take as we come into the presence of the Lord. There's a trajectory. There's a journey God wants us to take. I'll say it this way. The architectural realities of Solomon's temple tell us a theological story. The architectural realities tell us a theological story. So what I want to do is go piece by piece of the furniture inside the temple. Pastor Brady talked about the glory of the Lord filling the temple last week. I want to talk about the furniture that's in the temple and what it's teaching us as worshipers of the living God. The first article of furniture that I want you to see is the altar of sacrifice. Can you say sacrifice? The altar of sacrifice. Now, let me show you this picture of the outside of the temple to help you get oriented There in the bottom right corner of the frame, do you see the staircase stepping up to the altar of sacrifice? This is the first thing that you do as you come in. Now you bring your bull or your goat or your sheep or your turtle doves or whatever the Old Testament told you to bring. Or your grain offerings or your wheat offerings or your barley offerings. Whatever you're bringing to the Lord, there's a portion of that that you carry up to the altar of sacrifice. And I'll just say, some of you have never brought a bull to the church, and it shows. It just, frankly, It shows. You've never brought a living sheep or a goat. Or, I mean, can you imagine walking into church in this day, how it smelled? I mean, Lord God Almighty. And how the sounds that you were hearing and all the stuff, the, the sensory overload. Like you don't come to church empty handed and you don't come to church to be passive. The first thing you do in this picture is you climb the altar of sacrifice and you step up the stairs and you're carrying the sacrifice. It's heavy. Maybe someone's helping you carry the sacrifice and you give it over to the Lord as your first act of worship. What I want you to see is that these people immediately when they came to the altar of sacrifice would have been thinking about Father Abraham who was invited by the Spirit of God to climb Mount Moriah with his living sacrifice, his son, Isaac, Genesis 22, read the story. It can can seem strange right at the beginning, but by the end we see that on top of the mountain, after Abraham had climbed the mountain with Isaac, the Lord provided the ram caught in the thicket and he built an altar of sacrifice right there and he sacrificed that ram and it says on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. What you see is that in worship there is a climbing of the mountain of God. Worship is not a spectator sport where God caters to your comfort. True worship will require you to come with a sacrifice. Think about the old man Moses with his robes and he's climbing Mount Sinai and he's losing his strength. But Moses and Aaron, they go up to the top. Why? Because when you worship, you climb the mountain of God. Worship always costs us something. Worship will require us to lend our strength. And David, the psalmist earlier in his life, he says, when you come into the house of God, Psalm 100, it's famous. Oh, enter his gates with thanksgiving and come into his courts with praise. Worship will require a sacrifice. And I'll just say it this way. Make it your determination to always come into the presence of the Lord, ready to make a sacrifice. Some of you immediately are thinking you got to say that it's job security. You got to keep the lights on it. That's not what I'm saying. No, I am. Pastor Brady says it all the time. Brady says, I will not ask you to do something that I am not already practicing in my life. And great leaders say that great leaders do not say do as I say, not as I do. Great leaders go first. Great leaders lay their life down. Great leaders say, come and follow me as I follow Christ. And I'm here to say to you today that I will not ever come by the grace of God. I will not ever come to the the house of the Lord unwilling to make a sacrifice. And sacrifice looks like lifting your hands. Sacrifice isn't just financial giving. It's shouting unto the Lord. It's getting on your knees in the presence of God. It's praying for one another. It's taking care of each other's children. It's honoring the elderly among us. It's coming to the church every single time with eyes wide open, looking for the work that the Lord is asking us to do. Please don't ever come into the presence of the Lord unwilling to make a sacrifice. Can you say amen today, church? What we see with the first article of furniture is that you climb the mountain of God to the altar of sacrifice and you give the Lord your strength. That's the first move on the trajectory of worship. The second piece of furniture that I want you to see today is the bronze sea. Now let's look at this picture again. You've got the altar of sacrifice on the bottom right, just to the left of it. You see that big bronze bowl. And it's on top of 12 bulls, B-U-L-L, 12 strong bulls signifying God's provision. And on top of that, God gives them water. And then those 10 portable bowls all around, they can shift throughout the outer court. And in those bowls are water, which is to say, when you come into the presence of the Lord, you need to be cleansed. Remember, they just made sacrifice. What do they have on their hands? Blood. What do they have on their on their bodies? Dirt from the journey. Many of these people would travel thirty miles from the hinterlands around the, the fields, the agricultural fields around Jerusalem. It took them something. They didn't hop in their nice little Escalade and ride into church that morning, you know, with their lap dog. <laughs> they walked with their bull, <laughs> and so they come in and they're dirty. and And that's a symbol of all of us. We come into the house of the Lord, and there's stuff that needs to be washed away from us. We need to repent, we need to confess, we need to give over the darkness, we need to give over our impurities and let the washing of God's word and the washing of his spirit make us new. So we walk in and we make sacrifice at the altar of sacrifice and then we come over to the bronze sea and we're washed and we, and we say, Lord, cleanse me and the psalmist, he said it again. He asked the question, who may ascend? the mountain of the Lord and who may stand in God's holy place. And he answers the one who has clean hands and a pure heart. This is the one who can live in God's presence. And so that the trajectory of the worshiper, we come and we make sacrifice. And when you come into the house of the Lord, I'm inviting you to open your heart and to open your mouth and to repent And to ask God to cleanse you of your attitudes that have been amiss this week. Lord, forgive me for the way I treated that person at work who's trying to punk me. Lord, help me to turn the other cheek and to go the extra mile. Help me to bless those that curse me. And as we do this, the spirit of the Lord washes us and renews us at the Bronze Sea. Do you see the second piece of furniture? Talk to me now. Cleansing by the spirit. Sacrifice. Sacrifice cleansing, but that's all out in the outer court. And now with the third piece of furniture, you move into the inner court. You start pressing in closer to God's presence. And the first thing you see when you walk in to the inner court is the table of showbread, the table of showbread. Now I want to show you this picture of what it would look like on the table of showbread. There's 12 loaves and how many tribes are there in Israel? The 12 tribes of Israel, which is to say that all 12 tribes of Israel, God will make sure that everybody has enough. Do you see this? And it reminds them immediately, if you're, if you're an ancient Hebrew walking into the temple and you go to the table of showbread, you remember the manna that God fed you, your ancestors, as they walked through the wilderness. Remember Egypt more bricks, less straw. God says, let my people go. Pharaoh fights back. The 10 plagues. Finally, they get out and they get to the Red Sea and they think, oh shoot, God ran us out here to die at the edge of the Red Sea. And then psych, he parts the waters and they cross over and they get on the other side and Pharaoh and all his armies drown in the sea. And then they go, where's King <laughs> What Like, Where's the, I don't, my, uh, Costco membership isn't valid out here in the wilderness and what's Where are we? 2 million Hebrews in the hot desert for 40 years. How are we going to eat? And they wake up on morning number one and there's the manna. The bread is on the ground, the bread from heaven. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You don't have to twist God's arm to provide for you. They wake up out there in the wilderness and all of a sudden, boom, he's given them this day their daily bread. Do you see God's miraculous provision for his people over 40 years? And then they walk into the inner court in Solomon's temple. They've been established now in Jerusalem for some time. They're living a comfortable life and God says to you, Just like I fed your ancestors, I will always feed you. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And there's going to be 12 loaves for 12 tribes, and everyone's going to eat their fill. And you might not know how the next bill is going to get paid, but you walk in on on that Sunday morning, or in their case, on Friday night or Saturday, into the presence of the Lord, and they're reminded God will always provide for you. Friends... You see the journey that the worshipers supposed to take, make sacrifice and wash your hands and then come in and you go, wait, I am not my own provider. I'm not the one who has to take care of my entire life. God, Yahweh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit is the one who will take care of me. The fourth piece of furniture that you see. In the temple of the Lord, you come into the inner court and there's the table of showbread. But then you turn to your left and you see the 10 menorah candlestands. Let me show you a picture here. You ever seen a menorah candle stand? If, if, just do, do some reading up on what a menorah candlestand means to the Hebrew people. But you walk into the inner court and there's 10 of them. Lighting up the darkness, there's brightness, there's radiance, there's beauty, there's glory. You have what you need. This, this picture that you're supposed to see here is that God will not leave you to walk in darkness. The God who feeds you is the God who will light your way. And the psalmist, David, he wrote in Psalm 119, the longest chapter in all of scripture, verse 105, he says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I don't know what to do with these children. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I don't know if I should take that job out of state. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I don't want to get out of bed in the morning because this mental health thing that I've been in has been overwhelming me. But somehow in the midst of that darkness, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Do you see how this furniture is teaching us theological realities that God is the God of light. And he will not leave his people in darkness. And Jesus comes and he says, I am the light of the world. And if anyone would follow me, they will never live in darkness, but they will see the light of life. Friends, we live in a world of darkness. We live in a world of, of tribalism and fighting and wars and rumors of wars. And we, we live in a world of, of deep despair. And yet we come into the presence of the Lord day after day and week after week. And he feeds us and he shows us his light so that the darkness has been dispelled. And I'll just I'll ask you, how would they keep the light going? In the ancient world, you know how they would keep the light going? Oil. Oil in the lampstands, oil to keep that flame going, oil and wax. And they would do it wasn't just you don't flip the switch in that ancient world. You do hard work to keep the light going. And friends, I'll say to you, you cannot live well without your daily dose of the power of the Holy Spirit. You better talk to me today, church. Let's go. You cannot live well without your daily dose of the power of the Holy Spirit. If you get up in the morning and get your coffee and get your toast with peanut butter and honey, and then you walk out the door without getting your daily dose of the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to get eaten up out there. And by the way, you will be a tyrant to everyone you encounter. I can tell you that because I've been there before. Trying to live in my own strength, trying to go at my own pace, and trying to be the first one in and the last one to leave. Living on the power of Daniel is not something you want to do. But the saints, they come into the presence of God, and they eat their bread, and they come over to the lampstand, and thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path, and I need the oil of gladness to keep my lamp burning. Oh God, would you give me the power of your spirit? Would you give me the power of your spirit? God, I don't want to do anything unless you're doing it today, and I don't want to say anything unless you're saying it today, and you live that way every single day of your life, and tell me if your life is a life of darkness. It will not be. So friends, we come into the house of God. We make sacrifice. We repent of our sins. We let the spirit wash our hands and wash our consciences and wash our hearts clean. And we come in and we see that he's our provider. And we walk over in the midst of our darkness. We let the light of the spirit of God illumine the path for us. And then we come to furniture piece number five. The altar of incense. Throughout the scriptures, incense signifies the prayers of the saints. Have you ever heard that scripture where it says that they made their sacrifice and it was like a sweet smelling aroma in the the nostrils of God? That somehow those prayers, as we worship him, as we honor him, as we pray, those prayers, that effort goes up to heaven and it takes over the room with that sweet smelling fragrance. And I want to show you this picture of the altar of incense. The ancient priests would go, before you walk into the Holy of Holies, you come and you bring the prayers of the people. Have you ever been to the Wailing Wall or seen in Jerusalem where they write out their prayers and they stuff them in the cracks of the Wailing Wall? Why? Because they're coming to the altar of incense to bring their prayers before God and say, God, remember us. God, would you answer our cry? God, would you hear us from heaven? And those prayers go up like an aroma in the sweet smelling fragrance of God's presence and God hears. And I'll just say to you today, a prayerless church is a dead church. And it is so easy today in our world to forget about prayer, to forget about being those people who call on the name of the Lord. We think we've got to power up. We think we've got to work 10 more hours this week. We think that we can solve it in our own wisdom and in our own might and in our own strength. But the saints of old are those who know that you come into the presence of the Lord as a praying people. And God hears those prayers and he forgives our sins and he heals our land and he supplies all our needs. So I'm here to tell you today, if we're going to be the church of Jesus in this moment, the church that the world needs in this moment, we are going to have to be a people that keep our lamps burning with the oil of the spirit. And then we step up as a prayerful people. And this is why we have. Have the World Prayer Center right across our parking lot. And for the last 21 months, we have doubled down and we've signed back up as a prayerful church. And Wednesdays at 7:30 in the morning, come and pray with us. Wednesdays at noon, come and pray with us and worship. And I promise you, if we will live the rest of our lives as a prayerful people, those prayers will go up into the presence of the Lord and He will hear us and He will answer and we will see His provision. Can you say Amen today, church? Let's be a praying church. The next piece of furniture that I want you to see. is the Holy of Holies. You're moving through and you're pressing through the Holy of Holies is like read up on it. The high priest could go in once a year, one person, once a year with one sacrifice for the entire nation. The Holy of Holies and, 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 you know, some scripture or legend, you know, there's lots of, lots of storytelling around the Holy of Holies, but some would suggest that they tied a rope around the priest's ankle because the stakes are that high that if the priest goes in and the priest is unprepared, the priest is unholy. When you're in the presence of the Lord, it'll just take everything out of you. You would die, right? So if the priest dies, they're able to pull his body out of that. Do you see how like sacred and how holy and how how high the stakes are. I want to show you a picture of the Holy of Holies. You've got the 15 foot wingspan times two of the angelic presence. You've got the Ark of the Covenant right there. You see the long poles attached to the Ark of the Covenant. Why is that? Because you don't touch the presence of God, it it could kill you. And so they would carry the presence around on poles. And then right above the Ark of the Covenant is the mercy seat where God was said to be enthroned above the cherubim. You see how beautiful it is? It's 30 feet wide by 30 feet long by 30 feet high. Do you see the divine symmetry? And what I want you to see here in the Holy of Holies is this is the place of order This is the place of wholeness. This is the place of completeness. This is the place where your life gets put back together. And I'll say it this way, the presence of God is the only place where you'll be put back together. I love getting help. I love asking for wisdom. I've seen counselors through the years, highly recommended. I love all the, uh, the, the tests that you can take and all the personality types and all. I am so for further education and learning and help along the way. I'm telling you, there is no place in your life like the presence of God. The presence of God is the only place where our lives will be put back together. 30 by 30 by 30, a perfect cube, a perfect symmetry, perfect order. Friends, if you want to find wholeness and order and symmetry and blessing in your life, you must press into the Holy of Holies. And in the Holy of Holies, you'll see the seventh piece, the Ark of the Covenant. I told you about this. The Ark of the Covenant In it, there's the tablets with the Ten Commandments, which is to say, you'll never make it without the word of God. You want to you know what God says, read his word. You want to hear God's voice, read his word. You want to live for the long haul, a life of obedience, read God's word. In there is Aaron's rod that budded. You remember Aaron and Moses back in Egypt? God does the miraculous and shows Pharaoh that I am in charge and I am the one true living God. And they preserved that rod that budded and they kept it in the Ark of the Covenant. And finally they had a little jar. A little jar of manna, 480 years ago, God rescued them out of Egypt, and in the Ark of the Covenant is a little jar of manna, and somehow, way, I don't know what preservatives they were working with, but that bread was not mildewed. God is saying, my provision, it lasts. My provision, it's eternal. My love for you is eternal. It will not wear out, it will not fade away, it will not spoil, it will not go to rot. My provision for you, is sure and certain and it lasts. So you walk into the presence of the Lord and you find wholeness and you walk into the presence of the Lord and you find his word and you find his miraculous deeds throughout the generations. But here's the eighth piece of furniture that we have to talk about. And it's the curtain. The curtain that is just blocking you. You've come to the altar of incense and there's the curtain. And on the other side of the curtain is the holy of holies where God's provision is, where God's wholeness is. And remember the high priest one time a year, one person could go in and make one sacrifice for the people And they hoped that it worked out. And that curtain was, was, it was the sacred separation. It was that thing that, that the stakes were high and don't you dare take the presence of God for granted. And if we are not careful, we'll press up to the curtain and we'll start thinking that God doesn't want us around. If we're not careful, we'll start thinking that God is, is uh, uh, you know, he, he's afraid of us. He, he's bothered by us. He's the man behind the curtain. You all remember the Wizard of Oz. You have come into the presence of the great and powerful Oz, right? And then the little dog runs in and opens the curtain. Did you all see that? I mean, I mean are, are we a cultured church? Okay, appreciate that. The great and powerful Oz. Some of you are like, I haven't read that in the Bible. Yeah, I missed that. We think that God doesn't want us around. We think that God is bothered by us. We think that God is put off by us. We think that God is pathologically reclusive and socially awkward. The deity in heaven that is fragile and that has only once a year because that's only so much he can take. Maybe God isn't engaging. Maybe God doesn't want us. Maybe God doesn't love us. But here, I'm here to tell you today that that message, that lie from the devil could not be further from the truth. I'm here to announce to you today the good news of the gospel, that in Jesus Christ, God doesn't only want us near, but God came rushing near that God is chasing after us, that God is pursuing us, that it's not just the people of God who have to go up to the mountain of God to see if we can broker a deal to step into the presence of God every once in a while. No, Jesus is God's once and for all message that God refuses to stay away from us. Man, that was better than what you guys thought. (laughs) I want to show you this one detail as we get ready to close. Jesus is on the cross outside of Jerusalem city gates on that dark, good Friday afternoon. And I need you to see this detail because it will show you once and for all what God thinks about you and how close God wants you. It says in Matthew 27, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land noon until three darkness. This is a a picture that the earth was revolting at the crushing of the son of God. Like the creation was groaning. This ought not be. This is the one who was and is and is to come. And we have hung up the light of the world on a tree. We killed the light of the world and the earth protests and goes dark. Do you see this? About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice. Now, before we move on, I need you to see that the Romans had perfected torture. The cross was a way of killing you as systematically and as slowly as possible. If they wanted the guy dead, they could have put a spear right in his heart. They didn't do that, why? The cross was public humiliation, the cross was torture, the cross was let's kill him as slowly as we can and make him feel every bit of it. Jesus is on the cross and he's about to cry out in a loud voice and to be able to do this, the seven last words of Jesus, he said seven different sayings on the cross, For him to say each one, he would have to pull himself up by his shoulders and (gasps) because the cross was a suffocation machine. You're hanging so that you can't breathe and your lungs are collapsing. So he has to go (gasps) just to say the next thing. And he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when Jesus had cried out again in a, (sighs) in a loud voice. gave up his spirit. Typically we stop there and we have a moment of silence, but the story doesn't stop there. At that moment, he had said, it is finished. The curtain of the temple you see the curtain we're talking about? The curtain where we think God doesn't want us close and God's pathologically reclusive and God is fragile and he can't handle too much. His kids are loud and he's the dad who just needs a dark room. We think that that's who God is. At that moment when Jesus gave up his spirit, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. From top to bottom. Not from bottom bottom. top. This wasn't a a riot of the people. We're going to get our voice back. We're going to finally press into the presence of the God who's rejected. No, it wasn't from top to bottom. The people tearing it and say, let us in. It was from top to bottom, which is to say, God did this. God wants his people close. God aches to have his children back. God wants you to press into his presence. God has thrown open the gates of the Holy of Holies once and for all. And he will not be separated from his people. God did this. The tower of Babel was from top to bottom. We're going to build a a, a tower to the skies and we're going to overthrow the heavens and we're going to make ourselves God. That was from top to bottom. This move on the cross, Jesus said it is finished. And from top to bottom, God said, once and for all, I must have my people come into my presence. A couple nights ago, my, my baby, my baby boy, he's 11. I still call him my baby. He'll always be my baby. He came into our room at 2 AM and dove right in between Lisa and me top rope. You know, babies can't come in soft at the middle of the night. He came in and he crawled in between us and he slept sideways. Have you seen that meme where mom's sleeping like this and dad's sleeping like this and the kid's sleeping like this and it says H is for hell? Have you seen that? <laughs> H is for hell. And he was all over us and he was rolling and he was having bad dreams and he just could. And you know what? I, somehow, way, I got the grace of God just to like in the moment receive it as a gift. I was so... Happy. Because any decent dad wants his kids close. And Jesus, the Son of God. (sighs) And he gave up his spirit. And the curtain that was separating us from the Holy of Holies. The sin that had separated us from God. The impurity, the hatefulness, the, 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 the war and the rumors of all that we had blown up in that moment. God says, I will have my people. And Jesus is the great high priest who goes into God's presence once and for all and is the final sacrifice. The Israelites had one high priest who could go in once a year and try to do the work and hopefully it will work. Jesus is the final and the great high priest who threw open the gates of heaven and who threw open the doors to the Holy of Holies. And friends, Not going into the Holy of Holies now is a self-inflicted wound. They couldn't. One time a year, here are the rules, fine. Here we are, Jesus throws the door open and now the invitation is to all. Anyone who will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you wanna come to the Father's table, the Father's table is open and I am begging you to take God up on his invitation. The veil has been torn. The curtain has been removed and you and I can pass through friends. Here's the trajectory that I want you to see today. When you come to worship, living as the people of God, come in and make sacrifice. Come in and repent of your sins and and, and list those things to heaven and ask God to wash you and renew you at the Bronze Sea. Lord, give me clean hands and give me a pure heart so that I can live in your presence forever. And then you walk in and you see the table of showbread. God is your Provider. And then you walk over here, and in the midst of your darkness, the ten menorah candle stands light up your life. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And we live as the prayerful church. We keep giving our prayers as incense to God, and they're a sweet smelling fragrance. And the curtain has been torn, and we race through, and we fall on our knees in the presence of God, and we say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And friends, tell me, try this for the next 10 years and tell me if you hate your life. I promise you. I promise you this is the only way to live. Jesus says, with me is life. And if you walk with me, you will dwell in darkness and you will see. You will dwell in light and you will never dwell in darkness. Friends, take God up on his invitation. Can you say amen today, church? Would you stand with me? Would you stand with me? Thank you for letting me take you into an obscure passage and show you that all of this stuff matters. I want to invite our prayer team, our communion team to come forward. And if you're new with us, you're going to see that we have a weekly routine of making a journey. Remember, we just talked about the journey of the worshiper. The trajectory of the worshiper, the movements that you walk through, and and I want to invite our communion team down because we're going to walk through the room, and I want you to just think your way through each movement as you're coming down. You're responding to the Lord. You're coming to make sacrifice. You're repenting. You're receiving his provision. Friends, we're going to worship Jesus. I want you to come through, grab your communion elements, and in just a moment, I'll come back up and we'll receive together. If you need your neighbor to bring you one because you can't journey through, no, no shame, just tap them on the shoulder. But let's respond to Jesus here and let's worship him and then we'll receive together in just a few minutes. Would you open your communion elements? We've got the final section passing through, so we'll just wait. We're going to do some prayer here in just a minute. I'm going to invite you to intercede with me over the things that are falling apart in our lives. Before we do that, Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, You want to talk about the table of showbread? You want to talk about God's provision? You want to talk about the manna coming down and giving us this day our daily bread? Jesus, at the great culmination feast on this side of eternity, he says, this is my body. And it's broken for you. He takes the bread and he breaks it and he's sitting at the table and he says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And you are not your own provider and I will be your God that heals you and strengthens you. Friends, whatever strength you need today, Jesus is here to give it to you. And so Jesus, we come and we receive this from you. We receive your provision. We receive your help. We receive your mercy. We receive your sustenance, Lord if we don't eat today, we will collapse on the journey. And somehow, some way you show up at just the right time to feed us, to keep us going until that great day of the Lord, the final feast of the lamb. So friends today receive God's provision for you. His body broken for you, you may receive. On the same night, he took the cup of wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant given in my blood and it's given for the remission of your sins. And as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me, friends, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. I I can't say it too much. You are forgiven. God is for you. God wants you in the holy of holies and he shed his blood so that we could live in the holy of holies. Can you say amen today? church?" So friends, you may receive the cup today. And here's what I want us to do. Remember the altar of incense. Give us three more minutes here, four more minutes here. You remember the altar of incense where they come and they give God their prayers. Like that sweet smelling aroma. I want you, we're going to sing day and night, night and day, let incense rise. That's what we're saying. We want intercession to go to the heavens. And so would you take the next few minutes and I want you to think about all the areas of your life where you need his intercessory work to be accomplished. I want you to give over the fractured relationships. I want you to give him the health diagnosis that's scaring you right now. I want you to give him the financial crisis or the the business wisdom that you need, the thing that's falling apart right now. Can we turn it into prayer and just begin to sing day and night, night and day, let incense rise. Come on, church, let's pray over those people. Let's pray over those situations. God, hear us from heaven. God, take care of our people. God, answer our cries. Come on, church. Got that up, uh. blessing and can I teach you for 30 more seconds? 30 more seconds. Numbers chapter 6 verses 24 through 26. This is where you see the priestly prayer. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. God said to Moses, tell your priests to pray that over my people. But here's what he says at the end of that. He says, when you do that, when you pray that prayer, you are putting the name of God on their foreheads. How many of you want the name of God stamped on your forehead? How many of you want his power stamped over your life, his blessing to be your identity, your inheritance? As you receive it today, I want you to never forget that picture, that the name of God has been stamped on your forehead. So I pray today, may the Lord our God bless you, and may he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift his bright, smiling countenance upon you and all of your people. And may he grant you his shalom today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. Can we give God thanks for what he's done here today? Please, please, please hang tight. Give me one second. Prayer team is coming down. Men, you can get signed up for the men's retreat at the table in the lobby and or scholarship someone to go on that retreat. First Wednesday right here at 6.30. And if you're new, meet us at Connect Central in the lobby. Go from here in God's grace and peace. Much love.